On today's show, Houston Rockets shooting guard position preview. A lot of focus and expectations on the shoulders of Jalen Green this upcoming season and some big questions regarding the backup minutes now that Kevin Porter Jr. is out of the picture for the Houston Rockets. Bold predictions and so much more. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Goon here in the short row. Oh my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. No! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including... YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets back guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than the Podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Logger Line podcast, Ben Dubose. You can track down on Twitter at Ben Dubose as we continue our position preview week here at LOR, starting with the shooting guards now. And this is a position that is going to be, this show we're going to, you know, it's going to be dominated by a lot of Jalen Green discussion, understandably so. Now the other two names that we are going to include in today's episode, Cam Whitmore and Aaron Holiday, but let's be honest, Ben, we don't need to do a, a full-blown deep dive on Cam Whitmore and Aaron Holiday now, do we? No, we don't. And speaking of transitions, you're still calling it Twitter? You haven't transitioned to X yet? I, You know, occasionally I call it X, and then occasionally I call it the artist formerly known as Twitter. It just, you know, flavor of the okay. day. just kind of depends on, on what I'm feeling. But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's pretty safe to say right here from the jump that Cam Whitmore and Aaron Holiday, while they're on the roster, while we're factoring him to uh, factoring them into, you know, the, the potential backup two guard spot here on this episode. Um, I think even in the aftermath of the Kevin Porter Jr. situation, right? Cam Whitmore might not get a ton of run right out of the gate, if at all, his rookie season, because he's coming in, he's such a raw prospect that I really think the Rockets are going to take their time with developing him, and, and he's not necessarily a guy that I think is going to find himself with a ton of rotation minutes, even later as the season progresses. Yeah, I would agree. I think the, the bottom line, we can talk a lot about the relationship between Kevin Porter Jr. and that fallout to the minutes at the shooting guard position. And one beneficiary is actually Amon Thompson at point guard, because I think with no KPJ, even if KPJ would have been the backup too, there would have been a little bit of tension in regards to who exactly has the keys to run that second unit, considering that KPJ would have been in something of a transition phase, having been the point guard the last two seasons. So I think with Amon Thompson basically getting the keys to run that second unit, 
it's good for him, but I also think that it probably makes it a bit less likely for another rookie like Cam Whitmore to get heavy minutes. So I think if the Rockets have to lean on Amon a bit more, then that may make them more likely to look around Amon for that second unit at guys that may have more experience, perhaps Aaron Holiday, but I think more reasonably, either someone they trade KPJ's contract for, or perhaps someone they claim off of waivers, a lot of the number two position, similar to how they claimed Garrison Matthews at the end of preseason a couple of years ago. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, we don't know who that person is or if that, you know, whether that will ultimately materialize. So we're going to focus a lot of our efforts today on Jalen Green, who understandably, you know, face of the franchise, right? The, the first piece, the first domino in this rebuilding era for the Houston Rockets. And Ben, this feels like a really big year. For Jalen, yep. right? You know, transitioning from the Steven Silas era into a new head coach in Ime Odoka, new expectations for the team, a new backcourt partner in Fred Van Vliet. This feel, I don't want to say this is like a make or break year for Jalen because that feels a bit too serious, but mm -hmm. it really does feel like this is the year where, and I want to extend this also to Alperin Shingun, who we're, we'll be focusing yep. on later in the center preview, but this year, going to year three for Jalen, this is the year where we expect to see a jump, right? I think a lot of people were expecting, oh, maybe he has a year two jump like Anthony Edwards last year. And he got better, and he did continue to develop and had a had a better season. And he's progressing along, I think, you know, the way that he should. But this is going to be the year with all these new variables in play where we want to see, can Jalen become the guy that the Rockets organization that fans think he can become as the face of the franchise, the number one guy, the best mm -hmm. player on the team, all of that. Yeah. And we've said this before. This is the year that the excuses are out the window. Look, he's got a point guard now in Fred Van Vliet, a winning point guard, which Jalen himself pointed out earlier in the offseason after the Rocket after the Rockets made that deal official. With all the criticisms we've lobbed at Steven Silas, the Rockets got out and got probably the best coach on the market in Ime Udoka. So you want to think going into the season that you've solved the point guard issue, you've solved the head coach issue. So all the excuses go away, especially when you combine it with going from year two to year three, which is oftentimes one of the biggest jump years for developing NBA prospect, especially because all of these guys are eligible for extensions after their third season, guys that were first-round picks, which Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun are. So they're financially incentivized to play very well to earn that next contract. And by the way, one of many takeaways from the Rockets exploring Kevin Porter Jr. trades involving that contract, since obviously he's never going to play again, or at least not for some time, I think one of the takeaways is that the Rockets are not anticipating having cap space. There's been a little bit written and suggested that maybe the Rockets in 2024, 2025 could get under the cap a little bit again. No, the fact that they're looking to move KPJ should tell you that they are planning on being above the salary cap. They want that spot to be trade filler. And one of the takeaways from that is that, you know, the most likely reason they'd be above the salary cap is that you give at least one and perhaps two of Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun big time extensions. So I think the Rockets want him to take that leap. I think he's in position to do so, he has the infrastructure around him, and this is the year in which we hopefully see that Jalen can actually do it. And when we look at kind of just the struggles that he faced last year, I think the biggest difference, and this is going to be the, a breath of fresh air for Rockets fans, for the players on the team, is the lack of structure that was mm -hmm. you know in place the last two years. I think we're going to see a very different version of Rockets basketball this season with Ime Odoka, a lot more structure offensively, defensively, all of that. And so for Jalen, you know, I, he's going to be 
uh, one of the biggest parts of the Rockets offense, obviously, you know, looking at how they plan to probably set things up. It's going to be a lot of Jalen Green, you know, I, I, he's going to have his opportunities, obviously, to isolate. But then also a lot of Jalen Green, Alperin, Shingun, two-man game should probably be a pillar of the Rockets offense, as well as, of course, Fred Van Vliet and Alperin, Shingun will have a lot of their two-man game. And even just Alperin, Shingun himself, right, running the offense through him. Uh, you know, I'm expecting a lot of actions there. Ime Odoka, I'm sure it's excited to have a big who can playmake at the level that he can. But for Jalen, you know, we look at just the way that he would, he was utilized the first two mm-hmm. years. And it felt like everything was so hard for him, right? Never any easy yep. buckets, always fighting, you know, you know, ne- never utilizing his athleticism, playing him off ball. It was always just Jalen defender basket, right? Always, you know, coming from the three point line, trying to get through the teeth of the defense. And I think this is going to be the year where we see, Hopefully, Jalen being given some opportunities to get easier buckets, which will lead to, I think at the end of the day, a lot better play and production from him, right? Because not everything's going to feel like it's pulling teeth or hurting cats to be able to get anything accomplished, especially offensively. Yeah, absolutely. When I did the logger line last week with Paolo Alves, my co-host, he made a really good point when we were talking about the basketball impact of losing Kevin Porter Jr. And you think of guys other than Jalen potentially being the beneficiaries when we talk about redistributing KPJ's reps elsewhere on the roster. But with Jalen, it's not so much that his usage is going to go up, but he can be used in different ways. KPJ not being a traditional point guard wasn't very good at unlocking the off-ball version of Jalen Green, getting him the ball in the right shooting pockets. And so now it's a possibility for Jalen with certainly Fred Van Fleet, but Amon Thompson has point guard skills that are just incredible. I know he's raw, but the vision is there. It's an opportunity to unlock more layers of Jalen Green's game. Because when you look at last year, I know the efficiency metrics were fairly pedestrian, but it was a setup for him to look bad, especially relative to his rookie year. And his rookie year was honestly reasonably efficient. He was nearly 55% in terms of his true shooting percentage, had a slight regression last year, even though the counting stats ticked up. But you look, you went from Christian Wood to Jabari Smith Jr., which offensively is an upgrade. You lost Eric Gordon midway through. Kevin Porter Jr., not a point guard, and you lost him for 25 games during the season. And we're running Dacian Nix, perhaps the worst player in the NBA, as your point guard in that stretch. So in a lot of ways, it was set up for Jalen Green to, to chuck. Because who else is going to put up shots and create in that offense? There was no structure. There weren't a lot of alternatives. And even from year one to year two, you take away guys like Christian Wood and Eric Gordon, say what you will, those are veterans that know how to play. And all of a sudden, it's a perfect storm for Jalen to look inefficient. He's being asked to do way too much, as opposed to you know some of his rookie peers. You look at Scotty Barnes in Toronto, and especially Evan Mobley in Cleveland. They can compartmentalize. They can play to their strengths. And so I, you have to think going into this year that while it's not like the Rockets have a proven 30 points per game scorer outside of Jalen, there is a lot more balance with this roster. I expect a much more balanced attack in terms of how they go about things, and that should benefit by it should benefit Jalen by putting him in more positions to be efficient and ultimately be successful in a team construct. Coming up, more expectations for Jalen Green from this upcoming season. Lineups, how we think the team is going to function. We're going to get to all of that and, our, of course, our bold predictions for this season involving Jalen Green in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or 
lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Right now, you can take a look at the outright Super Bowl 58 betting favorites, Kansas City Chiefs at plus 600, 49ers also at plus 600, the Eagles plus 700 right behind them, and rounding out the top five, you have the Buffalo Bills at plus 950, and the Dallas Cowboys at plus 100. Thousand. So for all those odds and so much more, be sure to visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, going into the season, kind of expectations for Jalen, you know... I'm at a point where it's very clear, like he is, he should be and will be the number one option going into the season. I just wonder, not not necessarily wonder. I'm excited at the possibilities and the things that Fred Van Vliet is really going to unlock for Jalen. Because two things that we saw last year, right? We we did see you know, Jalen struggle at times with Kevin running the point, right? You know, there were times where it felt Mm -hmm. like he got frozen out of games or not as involved as he should have been. Um, I feel like Rockets fans would have been content to see Jalen take 30 plus shots a game. And there were even some games where you were like, it, where Jalen kind of faded into the background a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And we we saw there were very distinct differences between aggressive Jalen and the Jalen who is a little bit more passive at times. And so I'm hoping that Fred is able to kind of unlock the the aggressive version of Jalen more often than not, kind of empowering him, letting him know, hey, this is your team. I'm here to help you become the best version of yourself. But then also the unique thing about Fred, and and we talked about this in the point guard episode uh, discussing Fred and and Amin Thompson, is Fred's ability to play off the ball. Because I think one really positive development from last season was actually Jalen's growth as a playmaker, almost by necessity, because of the absence of Kevin Porter Jr. for the 20-ish games that he missed. And Jalen was basically forced to take on those additional playmaking responsibilities, and we saw him grow from that. And so while I don't think Jalen is ever going to be you know, a Luca or a James Harden where you just put the ball mm-hmm. exclusively in his hands and run a heliocentric offense around him. He needs to be able to play make as well. The uh, flexibility matters. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. You saw, you've seen it recently with Devin Booker, right? Booker was a prototypical score, you know, a buckets only two guard for a, a good chunk of his career. And he slowly started to develop into more of a playmaker to where now the Phoenix Suns are getting ready to run a double shooting guard backcourt with Devin Booker and Bradley Beal, and Booker is going to yeah. be their primary playmaker. Yeah, I think what I keep coming back to with the way this team is currently constructed is that you have the optionality to play multiple ways. Your top three playmakers, now that Kevin Porter Jr. isn't going to be a part of the mix, are Fred Van Vliet, Alperin Shingoon, and Amon Thompson. And all of those three guys are capable of running an offense, but none of them have the expectation that they're automatically going to be the guy, that they're a Chris Paul type that just runs the sets every single time, or at least Chris Paul earlier in his career. I think that's going to be very useful because, yeah, you do want Jalen to operate off ball, like we said in the first segment, but you also want to have, you want to give him the freedom. This is a modern NBA where you see a lot of, primary scorers literally walk the ball up the floor and create on their own because otherwise it can be tough to get them the ball depending on the way an opponent is defending. So you need to have flexibility. And I think, you know, the top three playmakers on this team 
Van Fleet, Amon, and Shingun all having a certain degree of humility. There's a, a nice blend, I would call it, of talent and humility in which they can do things, but none of them are going to have incredibly high expectations of exactly how they need to function every time down the floor. So you can sort of optimize depending on who you're playing, how they're defending you, and so on and so forth. For me, what I want to see with Jalen, it's less about the counting stats because, you know, clearly those were already there last year, 22 points a game, which led the team, four rebounds, four assists. We talked about the efficiency earlier. I want to see him get more creative in the half court. And that's where having the flexibility to attack different ways could be critical. I, I go back to the workouts he's had this offseason with Kevin Durant, most notably, but a number of other NBA guys. A lot of Jalen's first two years have been about going north and south. It's been about, obviously, three-point shooting at volume and creating those shots. He's worked on his footwork, and he's also done a great job at getting to the rim, using his burst, his athleticism. He had a big jump last year in his free throw rate, which was encouraging. But I think as the competition rises, and now the Rockets are going into a season where they're at least trying to win – and you're going down the stretch of close games, you want to see how he can create in a half court. And some of that involves going east-west, having moves in that in-between game. Maybe it's a mid-range shot and a pull-up. Maybe it's a floater, the way we saw James Harden add. But just adding diversity to his game, not because those are more efficient shots. They're not, but you need to be able to keep the defense honest by doing lots of different things. You need so that's counters. Really, yes, that's what I want to see from Jalen this year. You know, he's focused on the North-South and with good reason, those are the most efficient shots in the NBA his first two years. But I think, you know, in terms of him eventually making the leap, and it doesn't need to be this year, but to an upper 20s, low 30s, a guy who's capable of leading the league in scoring, he's got to add more layers to his game offensively. And so I think this is a this is a great opportunity with the way the Rockets have to play different ways to hopefully get him not just going downhill the way we've talked about so much the last two years, but also just getting him the ball and letting him create and putting him in the most advantageous spot on the floor to do that. You know, I'd love to see him actually bring back the step back uh, because it, mm. it felt like when he was with the, the G League Ignite, the step back was almost like his bread and butter shot. Like it, yep. I remember doing his kind of his pre-draft preview and, and really digging into who he was as a player. And it felt like, you know, as as an incredibly young player, he already had like a patented go-to move, which was that step back, which he, he utilized from three-point land sometimes. He really used it when he was driving. You know, he'd go north to south, but then he'd kind of pop out and step back towards the baseline yep. and create that separation between the defender and hit that baseline jumper with well, relative ease. And that's what we saw on the limited footage. I know it's a small sample, but the footage we saw of the Kevin Durant workouts this summer, it mm -hmm. seemed disproportionately like a lot of work in that mid-range area, just doing things that I would call crafty ways to sort of use your feet, position your body to get looks against tight defenses in the half court. I think that's something that Kevin Durant over his career has specialized in. Obviously, he mentors the next generation. And so, you know, it's a small sample. Again, we're trying to, you know, overanalyze a three-minute video montage. I understand that. But within the context of what he needs, in my opinion, I thought it was pretty encouraging. No, absolutely. And I think especially when you are the go-to scorer for a team, when you're the number one option, when you're the guy who the ball is likely going to be in your hands at the end of games this upcoming season, um, you know, you're you're the guy yeah. expected to take the last shot. You need a diverse offensive portfolio to be able to yes. make those last minute, those last those last buckets. Right? It's you know you can you can favor the analytics all you want. And this was a big gripe, uh, you know, uh, that I had about James Harden for years. Is it's just 
he simplified his shot profile to where, yeah, it was it favored the analytics, the threes, the layups, the free throws, dunks, whatever. But ignoring the mid-range is so detrimental in those crucial moments at the end of games, right? You see Especially how, in the playoffs. Yeah, you see how effective guys like KD and Jimmy Butler can be operating out of the mid-range when the going gets tough and you need a bucket. And seeing Jalen become more comfortable with that mid-range game and unlocking, uh, again, a deeper offensive bag, a deeper offensive profile is going to do wonders for his overall game. And this is something where the loss of Kevin Porter Jr., while it does hurt the Rockets in terms of their ceiling, I know we all have skepticism over how much he would have bought into the 3 and D type role playing more off ball. But the reality, the potential of that, even if small, was enough to lift the ceiling of this Rockets team. Whoever they replace Kevin Porter Jr. with is not going to be, at least statistically, in my opinion, anywhere near as efficient or dynamic as what we saw from KPJ at times the last couple of seasons. Whoa, whoa, However, whoa. The, the utter disrespect to Landry Shamit. Stop it, Ben. Oh, I know. Well, th- we don't even have Landry Shamit yet. <laughs> but um, hopefully, knock on wood, I'd be very happy with that outcome when you look at the team optionality on his contract. But look, one area that even if there's a short-term hit to the ceiling, I do think that the loss of KPJ can give you some long-term developmental opportunities. And Jalen Green, most notably, because I do think if KPJ was on the roster, his body type, his player archetype, really not that different from Jalen. You look at how the Rockets close these games, and these are the reps that are high leverage, they're disproportionately important to development because it's winning time. This is when teams are really trying to get a win, and that's when you know those types of skills we've been talking about, half-court execution, really come into focus when the other team is trying to stop you because the game is actually on the line over a few select possessions. You look at the Rockets' closing lineup. Fred and Dylan are certainly going to be out there. They're important for your defensive culture. They're your veterans. There's a reason you spent all that money this offseason. There might be a few matchups where you play small and you put Dylan at the four. But for the most part, I think you're going to be a traditional team with two out of your three front court players, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, Alperin, Shingun, rounding out your, your five. And as it stands, Jalen Green, of course, would be the fifth of those five. Two of your front court, Fred and Dylan and Jalen Green. If KPJ were around, there absolutely would have been games, in my opinion, where KPJ has it going, Jalen doesn't, and the delta between those guys is not so much that you just say Jalen is going to close no matter what. And so what I fear would have happened, there would have been sort of this balance for Ime Udoka to try and strike between, okay, Jalen's development is most important for the long term, but short term, short term, if we need to win this game, and we know for a lot of reasons Rocket's going to be trying to do that, KPJ could have been the band-aid. Now, the way things are constructed, the Rockets have no choice but to lean on Jalen and to basically let him run the offense, to sink or swim as he goes. And so I think for Jalen, there's going to be a certain freedom in that. There's not going to be looking over his shoulder, wondering, am I going to close this game? Because again, you know, if you need two front court bodies, it's going to be one, it's going to be two out of Jabari, Tari, and all P. And Fred and Dill are going to be out there for obvious reasons. So if KPJ were around, there, there would have been some, in my opinion, looking over his shoulder. And I'm not saying that it's all good that he's gone. No, I mean, there is something to be said for iron sharpening iron. But I do think if we if you look at it through a longer term lens, and as long as the team is competent enough to avoid some of the rot of losing stuff that defined the last couple of years, then ultimately having Jalen feel confident that he's going to get those high leverage reps late in games, that he's 100% going to be a part of the closing lineup, that's going to put him in the best place, both physically and mentally, to succeed and take advantage of those opportunities. Coming up, we'll shift gears to the defensive side of the basketball as well as our stat line predictions, our bold predictions for the season for Jalen Green. It's all coming up here in just one moment. 
And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now let's go ahead and adjust, and we've spent a lot of time focusing on the offensive side of the ball, Ben, but defensively, I I think this could be a year where we do see Jalen take a leap on the defensive side. And this is, you know, for Jalen, he's a guy who has been very vocal you know, in the past and, and consistently about wanting to be a good defender, about wanting to take the step, take steps in the right direction there, about wanting to be impactful on that side of the basketball floor. Uh, unfortunately, through these first two years, right, especially as he's kind of growing into his NBA body, which side note, um, he was getting some, uh, you know, so, some some jewelry from Zofrost the other day posted on Instagram, and he looks swole. He looks he big. I saw that. Like, I mean, Jalen has very clearly been in the gym, hitting the weights. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he clocks in, you know, close to, if not at 200 pounds, you know, this season. And that's a far cry from where he was, you know, coming into the yeah, NBA. I'll- Last I'll year, go you know, 190, but definite growth. And that's the kind of thing that can help you defensively at the point of attack. Absolutely, right? Because at the end of the day, there were, I think Jalen had a lot of growth these past two years as a defender from where he started defensively to where he is right now. And a big part of it was there were times where he was in the right spots, right? He made the right reads. He was in the right places. He rotated properly, but he would just get bullied defensively because of his size. And that was a, you know, kind of an issue. And it's probably going to continue to be a thing where Jalen, he is kind of, you know, a a skinnier kind of NBA player. There's going to be bigger, stronger guys that are able to take advantage of, of that matchup at times. But for me, I do think Jalen still has the gifts to be a really good point of attack defender, right? When you, when you couple his athleticism with his, his burst, his quickness, all of that, he's a guy who can navigate screens easily. It's all about the, I think a big part of it's the anticipation element defensively, right? Jalen's a guy who can absolutely be a really impactful player, especially from a team defensive standpoint, when it's, when it comes to playing passing lanes and being a help defender, somebody who can rotate over very quickly and still have the speed and quickness to get back to his guy um, after a quick double team, that kind of thing. So I'm hoping Ime can really unlock a better version of Jalen defensively as well. Yeah, I think that shiftiness, it's important to note. I mean, it applies on both ends of the court. We talk about it so much in an offensive context, the burst that he has and all the unique things he can do that most players around the league, including at his position, certainly can't do. Well, that applies defensively as well. He's every bit as gifted on that end of the floor. He just needs to apply it and it needs to be the right system to take advantage of that. And I think... This is going to help Jalen on multiple levels. For starters, I think one of the things that plagued the Rockets defensively the last couple of years, there just was no trust. There wasn't the ability to to really feel like that, you know, if you were passing on your guy to someone else, that the that the whole thing wasn't going to fall apart at some point in the chain because the team was so young. And well, that was the case last year, the year before that, they weren't quite as young, but then you had Christian Wood and you know how that goes on the defensive end. So it was just very hard to trust that at some point in today's NBA where it's often, you know, a maze of picks and dribble handoffs and so on and so forth, you have to trust your other guys to hold up their end of the bargain. And so when there's not that trust, then not only are you often caught in no man's land because you're caught not only trying to do your job, but also trying to be ready to potentially help your teammate who you may not be able to trust to do his. And all of a sudden you're in no man's land as opposed to now You've upgraded the defensive side of the court substantially. You're more veteran-laden. Jabari's entering year two. Shingun's entering year three. But of course, most notably, you've added Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, guys known for their expertise, their attention to detail on that side of the ball. And then the other part of it, look, let's not 
let's not, you know, it, it's very easy, especially with the developments of the last two weeks, to sort of throw Kevin Porter Jr. and some of the guys that aren't here or we don't think are going to be here under the bus and say, now Jalen's going to work out just because we think and hope that he does and he's most important. Yeah, that's true. But we can also note that, you know, Jalen had his own warts the last couple of years. There were games where he just defensively checked out and you know, that's not uncommon amongst young players, but I also think that's the kind of thing that's a lot harder to do when so many guys you're sharing the floor with, Fred and Dylan, Jabari and Tari, are giving their all on the defensive end. It, it makes you stand out like a sore thumb if you're the one that isn't and you don't want to let your teammates down. And so there's a lot of peer pressure into locking in defensively. You hope some of that comes with time and this is year three. And again, his problems are not unique when you look at young players around the league but i also think just the surrounding context certainly ime udoka as coach but just in terms of the five on the floor it's a lot easier to take a possession off here or there if three or four of your other teammates are doing the same thing because who's really going to notice as opposed to now if jalen takes those possessions off when jabari tari fred and dylan are given their all it's going to stand out a lot more so because of that I, you know, I don't want to say it's all peer pressure. Again, I do think he takes it seriously, and some of these weaknesses are just sort of par for the course with young players. But I also think that peer pressure, the potential of bullying, if you will, might work out positively for Jalen on that end of the court. Bullying works. We are yeah. firm. We we are firm supporters of bullying here at Locked On Rockets. And Dylan is absolutely going to bully Jalen into being the best defender he can possibly be this upcoming season. It's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Ben, Dude, Jabari might do it. We saw that I, early in the season. There we go. Yeah, Jab Jab look, there's a bunch of bullies on this team, and and nobody's going to let Jalen take a possession off defensively. That's that's absolutely right. It's a great point. Um, let's get into our our predictions for Jalen's stat line this season. Ben, okay. I'll let you I'll let you take take first stab at it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with a very similar line to last year. I'll go 23 points, four rebounds, four assists. I don't think the top line stats improve a lot, but I think the defensive metrics pick up, and I think most notably he gets up to 57% true shooting percentage and 36% at least from three. I think the first couple of years to talk about the lagging efficiency, there's reasons for that. He's young, the surrounding infrastructure was terrible. Now that all that stuff is around him, I'm going to say he needs to get at least to league average for his position, which I think, you know, 57% true shooting, 36% from three is, especially at the volume he typically takes. And I don't think that's going to change a ton this year because it's not like they added a marquee scorer. So I think overall top line stats very similar to last year, but he does take a clear step in the right direction in terms of the efficiency. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually right there with you. Very, very similar numbers here. And again, for anybody listening, we don't discuss these beforehand. We we, we, we go in completely blind on our predictions, our stats, all of that. So I've got Jalen at 23 points a game, three rebounds, and four assists, um, okay. and then 58% uh, true shooting. Ooh, I think he's going to clock I like in. I think he's going to clock in about 37 percent three-point shooting we know that it's you know an area of his game that if he can get that three-point shooting up you know I've been I've been told you know by by Rockets coaches in the past right they want to get Jalen taking you know anywhere from 10 to 12 three-pointers a game this is still an organization yep. in the post Daryl Moore era that favors the yep. analytics very heavily um so I fully expect Jalen to to really be bombing from three this next season especially with again so many more you know facets of the offense to this unlock further you know further development for him this is not the Jeff Bagwell anti-analytics era Astros. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely Sorry, not. I had to get that in there J this week. Jalen's Jalen's a hooper, but he's still a hooper that's taken taken a lot. Going to be taking a lot of threes. Um, 
Yeah, and I think, again, the efficiency is going to be a big part of his game this next year, even if he doesn't take a gigantic leap forward where he's at you know, 25 points a game, 27 points a game. I'd be more than happy with a Jalen that's hovering around 57 58% true shooting, you know, league average for his position would be a massive jump from where he was this past year, which I believe he was floating around 54% true shooting. I should have that yeah. here. Yeah, fit, yeah, I think like 53.8 last year. I want to say yeah. 54.2 as a rookie. Exactly. Yeah, right yeah. at 54 his so, first two years. So jumping up to 57 or 58 true shooting that's would a be a jump. massive improvement, right? And that's going to be a big part of, again, getting to the free throw line more is going to help him do that. Become, become Becoming a more consistent three-point shooter is going to do that. And getting some easier opportunities offensively. Ben, I want to see Jalen cutting. I want to see yes. him get some easy opportunities offensively. Off where ball. he's Yes, yep. off-ball movement, please. Um, and Ime should be able to hopefully unlock that for him. Let's get let's wrap things up with our bold predictions for Jalen this season. Ben, what's what do you got for us? Bold prediction for Jalen Green this season. My boldest is actually for after the season. Ooh. He gets a nine-figure contrast ex- extension offer. Ooh, okay. I just think again, I said this leading off the show. It's pretty clear if you read the tea leaves with the way the Rockets are playing this Kevin Porter Jr. situation and looking for trade partners, the Rockets are not operating like a team that's anticipating going under the salary cap in 2024 or 2025. I think they are ready to invest heavily in Jalen Green and Alperin and Shingun if they prove worthy of that investment. Jalen is going to be financially incentivized to get that deal done. He's shown no red flags off the court that, in my opinion, would be prohibitive to the Rockets offering him the max in terms of years. Not necessarily saying the max in terms of money. Obviously, he's got to show something for them to totally get there. But at least in terms of years, this is not going to be a KPJ situation where you play for year-to-year optionality. No, Jalen off the court seems to check all the boxes. It's just about making the right strides on the court. And given the things we've been discussing the last half hour in terms of the improved context around him, the improved coaching, if he takes the leap that we've that we both clearly expect based on the numbers that we just laid out, there's no reason that you're not offering him at least, you know, nine figures over four years after this season. And I think he's in every position from a basketball standpoint to earn that deal. I think it's just a matter of um, you know, going out and staying healthy and proving that all of this stuff that looks good on paper actually does translate. If it does, I think uh, Jalen Green gets a big deal next offseason, or at least he's offered it, and you know we'll see what he chooses to do in terms of does he accept that? Does he try and go to restricted free agency in hopes that maybe he can play his way into a full max? Or maybe he plays well enough this year, the Rockets just offer him the full max based on how dominant he is this year. That's the hope. So let's be optimistic. But the bottom line is I'll say nine figures are offered to Jalen Green next offseason. I like it. I like that prediction. I'm going to go – I'm actually going to go maybe away from uh... – Common thought here. I don't want to, you know, focus just on offense. I think he's going to actually take a massive leap defensively. We talked about some of the defensive elements here that are at play. I think that he becomes a legitimate two-way player this season. I think that maybe it doesn't start out that way, but I think that being around all these pieces, right, Dylan, Fred, Ime Odoka, I think that he actually, because he's a guy who has been so vocal in the past, almost unprompted, right, about wanting to be an impactful player defensively. I think now he finally has the proper support network around him to where you know he has the the pieces to actually become a competent it's not just competent but a an above average NBA defender and when you look at the Rockets projected lineups with Fred plus defender Dylan plus defender Jabari projecting to be a plus defender right you know there were still some moments last year some questionable you know decision making that kind of thing but he for all intents and purposes we'll just count him as a plus defender right now 
You add Jalen to that mix where if he goes from being a, a bad defender to not just a competent average defender, but to a good defender, which I think is what happens this year, then you've got four plus defenders on the court and then your only like quote unquote weak link is potentially Alper and Shingun defensively. That's exactly where you want to be, right? An NBA team should realistically only have one weak link on the floor defensively. So if Jalen can get to that place where he is a plus defender, which I think happens this year, that's my bold prediction. He becomes a plus defender this season then the sky's the limit for this Rockets team and the, and the rest of that starting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. On the offensive end of the floor, one variable that I wanted to throw in earlier in the pod, but I'll do it now before we close out. I think for Jalen to truly unlock his ability in the offensive end of the court, I think it's actually going to be very important that Jabari takes the, na- the next leap as a shooter. That's something I wanted to mention in our earlier discussions. But you know, one thing you do have to worry a little bit about with the starting lineup, if Jabari's shot doesn't come around, is the floor spacing going to be there? Because Dylan can shoot, but it's certainly not a huge strength of his. Fred can definitely shoot. But then the front court, Alper and Shingun to this point has not been a three-point shooter. So I think some of it's going to be the surrounding context. And you also lose KPJ. Not sure how many you know Jalen KPJ combined minutes there would have been. Now you lose him. Maybe whoever you bring in for KPJ in a trade or a Garrison Matthews type that you claim off the waiver wire to fill that role can you know step into some of that shooting void. But in, in the absence of KPJ, there is going to be a hit for shooting that could potentially cause some spacing issues for Jalen. So while I think all of that sounds good in terms of how he's used offensively and if he's used more efficiently offensively, then that should also help him in the defensive end by making him you know, be able to conserve energy a lot more, be able to choose his spots. I do think the Rockets need to figure out the shooting issue to truly unlock Jalen Green. I think, you know, externally that can be a part of the solution, but I think in terms of, you know, filling it internally, one of the big things that can help Jalen Green is if Jabari Smith takes that next leap and becomes the 3 and D guy that everyone expected him to be once the Rockets drafted him at third overall in 2022. If nobody got me, Ben... I know Ben Sullivan got me, okay? There so go. Ben, ben Sullivan's going to take care of us, and he's going to get Jabari where he needs to be with the shooting, and, and he's going to get the, I like Ben Sullivan, shooting guru, right? So hopefully we see that. invested in a shooting coach, finally. I know, right? What a novel concept. Bad shooting team gets shooting coach. It's incredible. Who would have thought? Yeah. All right, Ben, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Yep, uh, Ben Dubose on Twitter, the logger line on Twitter, and rocketswire.usaday.com for all of your daily Houston Rockets news coverage. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Drop your predictions and thoughts about Jalen Green heading into his third NBA season. Let us know in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.